The great blessing of the AI is that we are gifted with the power to touch our Creator. This is also our curse. Welcome you to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. And I'm Ryan Mazzacco. Each edition of Drive Back the Night, we take an episode of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, and we examine it, taking it apart, looking at the things that we enjoyed, that we liked about it, and even having some criticisms for it as well. This week, the episode is Day of Judgment, Day of Wrath. Ryan? You ready for this one? I sure am, Ethan. Tell you what, I've got those chevrons locked in, an eel in my belly, and I'm ready to step through that gate. (laughs) Uh, You realize we're talking about Andromeda, right? Sure. All right, then. Well, let's just get right into it. I've got some trivia. Okay. Uh, This particular episode, Day of Judgment, Day of Wrath, was written by Ashley Edward Miller and Zach Stintz. Now, this is interesting, because this is going to be their final episode for a while. Uh, they have uh, been very prolific in most of the episodes we've seen in these first three seasons, right? And so now they're going to be stepping away in season four. They won't have any in season four, but they will return in season five doing two more episodes uh, mid to late in, in that run of season five. So this is the last we're going to see of these, these two, for at least for a little while. And our director for this episode is... After 11 episodes over the past three seasons, we arrive at Alan Eastman's final episode as a director on Andromeda. However, we are going to continue to see his name throughout the coming seasons as it appears as an executive uh, producer. Our actors for this episode are J.R. Bourne. He plays William Ataturk in this episode. Now, he's had several appearances in genre. Uh, among them, Millennium, The Outer Limits, Stargate SG-1, Smallville, Fringe, Arrow, Teen Wolf, The 100. And he's going to return to reprise this same role in the next episode of Andromeda. So we'll come back to J.R. Bourne in a future episode. Is, does the J stand for Jason? Wouldn't that be interesting? Ooh. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Larry Musser. He plays the Perseid Doctor that we see in this episode. He's had several... Uh, appearances going back to the 80s with MacGyver, The Commish, Sliders, Millennium, and several appearances on The X-Files. This credit for Andromeda is among the last of his acting career. Susan Olofsson, she plays the female Restorian that we see briefly on the, what was the name of the ship again in this episode? <laughs> Resolution, Resolution of, Hector. of Hector. Yes. And uh, she has a very brief listing on IMDb, only six television credits, and Andromeda is the last on her list, which I thought was interesting. Marion Ellsman returns as Alma, and since uh, we last mentioned her on the last episode that she was on, she's been appearing regularly as Doris Bell on the Riverdale series. Victoria Campbell, she plays Tamerlane, uh, Tear's son. Mm-hmm. In this episode, kind uh, of a it's a Peter Pan thing we got. It, going it on. is, it is. Yep. This is her first acting credit 
that she has with a handful of others uh, to come in the years following. We also have returning to the show Christopher Judge. He plays Hector, or Resolution of Hector. Uh, since he was on last in the episode The Night, Death, and the Devil, he has since voiced Kratos in the video game God of War, a very popular game from uh, last year, 2018, as of the time we're recording this episode. And he also played Oriskus on the series Final Space. And finally, returning also, we have Michael Shanks. And obviously, we know both of these actors from Stargate. Uh, he plays Remiel, or Balance of Judgment, in this episode. And since we mentioned him last in Starcrossed, uh, since we last talked about him, he, in 2019, has been playing in the miniseries Unspeakable as Will Sanders. And, as of the recording of this episode in late 2019, he is still married to Lexa Doeg. And that's what I've got for trivia for Day of Judgment, Day of Wrath. Ryan? Yes, do you, sir. Do you have a summary for us? I do. Yeah, you can go ahead and take that eel out now. You know, it's kind of growing on me. I see what you did there. Growing on you or in you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our crew was on hand to witness the launch of the Resolution of Hector, the newest high guard battleship. That is, all but Tyr, who has gone off on another adventure of his own, but more on that later. Meanwhile, the Hector is still in final stages of completion, as Harper and Rami are assisting in putting the final touches on integrating the ship's AI and Avatar. Harper hears gunfire from the hallway as the goons make their way into the workroom. Harper warns that Rami will soon be on her way to deal with them. Just then, Rami appears and unexpectedly sides with the henchmen and attacks Harper. So, it's another AI gone bad episode. Here we go. The first of a couple big reveals in this episode. The avatar for the Hector is a copy of the Wrath of Achilles. Minus the corrupted parts from being stranded in space for 300 years and subjected to Nietzschean torture experiments. Rami is still Rami, but she's been taken over by Gabriel. Wait, what? But they killed him in Starcross back in season one. Well, not quite. Turns out he, or rather his ship, the Balance of Judgment, somehow managed to upload himself into Rami just before he was destroyed and has been lying in wait this whole time for the perfect moment to strike and now plans to reactivate the Restorian movement using the Resolution as his vehicle. Now back in the cyber world, Rami and Gabriel negotiate a deal that Rami will help Gabriel to his goal and even serve under him if he will spare the Andromeda and let Harper go free. Meanwhile, Dylan and Hector make their way onto the ship and really mess things up for Gabriel, who is now calling himself Remiel, but no one else is doing that, so don't even worry about it. But Rami is able to touch a nerve with the AI, and Hector slows down the Avatar, which is forced to try to escape. Rami catches up with him in the hangar bay, and they get into a very Matrix-y kind of fight. Now, during this fight, a control panel is hit, causing the hangar door to open and nearly blows them out into space if it wasn't for their crazy strong android finger strength. It looks like they're both about done for when Dylan appears, wearing the EVA suit, and blasts Gabriel's arm, causing him to let go and fly off into space, and saves Rami. Rami gets checked out by Perseid technicians and is cleared for duty. 
So what has Tyr been up to this whole time? Well, he used his son's blood, hair, and skin samples and went to a dark alley Perseid surgeon who changed his DNA to an exact match of Tamburlaine and then went before the leaders of the other Nietzschean prize and proclaimed himself to be the genetic reincarnation of Drago Museveni. The end. Excellent job, Ryan. Nice, nice summary there. A um, couple of things. You mentioned that Tyr's not around because he's off doing his own thing mm-hmm. that you alluded to. And, and, and I, I, well done wrapping that B-plot up at the end of your summary there. So, you know, we get it uh, succinct and unbroken. That was quite good. I, I like the way you did that. But he was on the ship briefly mm-hmm. at the very start of the episode. And so I had an observation. Just long enough to lie to Dylan. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that he did. But the question I have is, does Tyr seriously have a Batleth hanging in his quarters? Oh, what? Yeah. Did you see this? No, I didn't. Okay. Do we need to pause? Maybe. Let's check this out. Let's check the tape. Um, upon further review, yep. I think the prop master must have spent some time in Star Trek's prop room. <laughs> I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. That 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 was a Batleth. Yeah, I mean, it's probably got a Nietzschean name for it, right? But it, it's a Batleth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. I did not see that. Yes, for sure. Uh, and we've broken Star Trek now. But in our defense, they had a Batleth on screen. <laughs> I mean, so kind of hard to ignore. What do you want me to do? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm telling you. So Dylan asks a question here. And uh, I think it's something that we ask all the time. So I'm just going to go ahead and bring this up now because I know we're probably going to talk about it. But uh, Dylan asked the question, why does AI keep going crazy? And I just wanted to applaud him for acknowledging that um, having the or at least maybe even the show having the self-awareness of, yeah, so this is a thing that we kind of fall back on a lot. So let's go ahead and just point that out. I appreciated that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Pretty sure Harper needs to submit to concussion protocol after getting flung across the uh, the room mm-hmm. by Rami and yeah. into that bulkhead. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? Yes, I do. I mean, that seemed like a pretty hard knock to the noggin. Yeah, Um, you're right. And I think Harper, actually, he took quite a bit of abuse in this episode. That he did. Um, Sometimes I would say maybe deserved but uh not so much in this one he was really only creepy about one time um but you know i also had a note on here where uh rami is making her deal with uh with gabriel or Remiel or whatever he wants to call himself yeah it's not gabriel yeah whatever (laughs) um so anyway she she says uh you know i'm going to do all this and there better not be so much as a bruise on his scrawny little neck right uh, this is when she first comes to, as far as Rami, the av- the uh, avatar being herself. Yeah. And so that's the first thing that she says. Meanwhile, Remiel has had, had uh, Harper by the neck off of his feet up against this wall for, what, the last five minutes? Yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and say too late. Yeah, that ship has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> right. So next bruise pretty easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. What what's she going to do now? That's what I want to know. Yeah, because that's part of the deal, right? He better not have a bruise on his she, scrawny she, little. She neck. should have qualified it from this point forward. Right, there should be no further bruising. Right. Okay. Well, maybe he hasn't bruised quite yet. Can you reverse the bruising process? 
I'm I'm sure if Trance were there, she could probably figure it out. Yeah, figure that out if she were there. Yeah, uh, it's nice to see that the rule of Scotty works in this universe as well. Since we've broken the, the yeah. Star Trek, I'm going to bring that up. Okay. So whatever estimate that a person gives you, assume that it can be done in half the time, right? Okay. Because yeah, that that's a thing obviously that happened in this episode as well. Right. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of advice if you ever find yourself in a tussle. With an android. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's how you know when you've got an android on the ropes. We've seen this before. When you start hearing their servo noises. <laughs> yes. So, yes. you know, something go- something's going wrong. You know, all that sound, isolation, uh, membrane, tissue, whatever they have, that out- outer layer, you know, it starts to go. And then all of a sudden you start hearing them. It's quite loud. Yeah. Uh, I got to ask you. Yeah? Did you mean to do that? Do what? When you have an android on the ropes. Because we had two androids slash actors yeah. on wires. <laughs> so I didn't know if you saw what you did there. No, I didn't. But you do now. Yeah, I did. Okay, I just have to bring that out. Okay. <laughs> uh, so here's what I think happened in, after that sequence, right? Okay. Uh, after they finished that work. Uh, I'm sorry. No, wrong wrong scene. Before then, after Remiel is built, uh, they have their back and forth discussions. So I feel like Rami and Remiel look at each other at the end of that scene. And the director, Alan Eastman, says, cut. Lexa Doig then looks at Michael Shanks and says, nice job. Wish you'd remember to pick up eggs on your way home the way you remembered your lines just now. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I see that playing out. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> we all have, man. We all have. Michael Shanks, we feel for you. Yeah. Um, so I've got a question. Uh, there in the, in the beginning here, we have this whole discussion about they need to shut down Rom- the, they need to shut down Andromeda's AI, the ship AI, because yeah. it could possibly be compromised. Be yes. We don't know for sure, but no. it could be compromised. Yeah. Why take chances? Right. Well, you don't want your first sign to be being kicked out the airlock. Exactly. Yeah. And the reasoning is because it's a possibility. Isn't this always a possibility? 24-7. From what we've seen so far in Andromeda and pretty much all of sci-fi where there's an AI, this is always a possibility. Yeah. So just never turn the thing on. Yeah. Right? Christopher Judge shows up on, on the, the command deck, and this segues nicely into that. Uh, he says, or Becca says, this can't be what it looks like. And Christopher Judge, as the the avatar says, a high guard avatar is, or a high guard avatar has gone rogue. I mean, are, are we at all surprised by this? I mean, how, are we shocked? Really? Are we surprised? No, we shouldn't be at all. Right? <laughs> because we remember what Achilles did. We remember what. Gabriel did. Remember what Rami has done several times. There's a casino yeah. ship out there. He's just doing his own thing. Yep. That's rogue. Mm-hmm. That that whole sequence to me, I was just like, really? Mm-hmm. We're, we're surprised at this because nothing in this show has led me to believe that this is what you're seeing right now is at all unusual. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and they even have statistics to back it up. Uh, yeah. Rami says you know, how how much more likely it is for an organic to do something like this. And we almost is. expect that, though. Yeah. And now we yeah. almost expected that of an AI. 
I guess it's just that of the very, very few isolated times when this has ever happened in all of history, we're lucky enough to see every single one of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Is that I what's know. going on here? I, I get it. Yeah. It's kind of like we always talk about like on Star Trek. Every week something happens. And it's like, does this stuff really happen that often? It's like, well, no. These are just the very best stories. They leave out the months in between when they're just cruising around surveying star systems because nothing happened. You're right. Right? No, you're we, right. We made that joke about this series as well. I, I, yeah. Yeah, we have. Except that it is definitely compacted in a much shorter time frame because we do have a timeline here. Well, we, we know when this story started and we know where we are now. What are we up to on average now? Two times a year on average? Three times a year? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not always Rami, but it's somebody. Uh, true. Yeah. So I guess if you do figure in the organics, they're getting betrayed by an organic on a weekly basis. So, or very nearly a weekly basis. <laughs> betrayed or foiled? <laughs> foiled, yeah. That's true. Uh, but not everyone that foils or betrays them has death yeah on their minds and malicious really truly malicious intent and here it's like as soon as an ai goes rogue somebody could die yeah i i just feel like that's the thing i want to point out in this so yeah. we shouldn't be surprised by this well and just the the way that they can just be hijacked a person can have something in their mind and they can be sitting on this for a long long time hold until on they, hold on yeah it, we're getting dangerously into the what we've learned about the Andromeda universe. I right. Think here. Sorry. Whenever we start talking about AI. I know. You want, I, do, you do you want to put, put a pin in it? Sure. Put a pin in that. We are coming right back around yeah. to it. Though. And do you want to talk about Slipstream for a while? Uh, you, why not? Yeah. All right. We've had three solid weeks of this now. <laughs> uh, interestingly, uh, not really any Slipstream to speak of. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It really didn't fa I mean, factor we, in. We had Slipstream in the episode, but, yeah. you know, it, yeah, there was nothing. We didn't learn anything right. about it. Yeah. No, huh? I mean, <laughs> have, we, have we ever learned anything about it? No. No. And that will continue to be the case. We've just been more and more confused by it. Yes. All right. So, moving on. All right. So, here's something I can say about Rami. There, when she's giving a threat to... Uh, to Remy. Remy. She's she's giving a threat there to uh, Remy. I'm just going to call him Remy. There you go. Yeah, yeah I like that. Um, she says uh, if you about Wasn't Harper. Wasn't he the rat in Ratatouille? Maybe I thought the rat's name so. was Ratatouille. <laughs> no, no, it was Remy. I think. Anyway, go ahead. Remy Ratatouille. That was his first name. We'll go with that. Okay. Um, she says, uh, Rami says, "You hurt him, and I'll tear you apart." Yes. Hold on. <laughs> Has she had this ability this whole time? <laughs> and now she's, I mean, why didn't you make that threat before? Just stop this whole thing or I'll tell, tear you apart. Yeah. That would have been the appropriate time to throw that out there, right? I would think so. Okay. That would All make right. more sense. Okay. All right. Or is it just more well, of an adrenaline rush if you hurt this guy that... I have no feelings for, but now all of a sudden kind of <laughs> do, but yeah. in a totally in a platonic way, right? Then, uh, was she able to hear the exchange when it was Gabriel that was controlling Rami when they had the whole God discussion? Did she hear all of that? I mean, that, that, I'm just speculating. Yeah. But, um, maybe if she heard that, 
and then sees that he has created this character. Maybe that caused caused her to pause on tearing apart the creation of of God. Okay. That's that's weak sauce argument, but that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Hey, I just want to point out we broke the budget this week. Yeah? Yeah. Um yeah, we sure did. Not on CG though, but to the aforementioned wire effects. Yeah. Because there was a lot of them. Yeah, sure. You, you mentioned Matrix in there. I like that in your summary. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of uh, practical effects, but uh, more so than we're used to seeing. I think they probably blew the entire budget. That and guest stars. Do you think that costs a lot of money? I don't know. To suspend somebody from wires? I honestly don't know. Or does it cost more money to digitally take the wires out of the shot? That probably does cost a lot. Yeah. But I figure you got to have a pretty good effects crew on site, you know, uh-huh pulling the rigging and well rigging it for one and then making sure the actors don't bounce too hard into stuff and, yeah you know maintaining I, I imagine it takes a lot of effort well sure i mean that's all just fly gallery stuff i mean that's right that's theater 101 that yeah that's they've been doing that for hundreds of years still mm-hmm. you got to pay somebody to do it that's true so yeah can't just have and, anybody just at those control. I mean, and these are popular guest actors yeah. that we have on here as well. Right. So you're right. So I'm just saying, we spent some money on this one. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, speaking of uh, special shots and uh, you know big scenes, how about uh, there at the end where they depressurize the bay? Um, that's a lot of stuff flying around. Yeah, that was. <clears throat> some of it was CG though. Yeah. Um, even still, the one thing I'm going to say about that scene is I have a question. Um, how long does it take to depressurize a bay like that? Uh, mere seconds. Really? Yeah. Because it seems like it took about five minutes. <laughs> well, Dylan had time to suit up. Yeah. And they'd get out there and rescue. And they were still being pulled by the... I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's inexplicable. All right. So we're in agreement there. That we was, are that in was just bad. There. That was bad. That was bad. All right. That was that was a physics fail. Okay. All right. Well, let's rein it in a little bit. Okay. Let's pull back from the silliness, and let's go into that segment where we talk about things that we learned about the Andromeda universe. I'll let you start this one off. Okay. Um, I guess I'd like to start out with uh, a little bit about avatars. Well, and, okay, let's just pull the pin out of the whole AI thing, because well, I think this, we're there. Well, this isn't so much about the AI as much as it is about the actual avatar okay. itself. But, and how are they made? Because let's go all the way back to, uh, what was the episode, and the children shall lead. It, back, <laughs> season, uh, season one, episode yeah, three. Second, second episode. Well, after the two-part. Yeah, yes, yeah, right, yeah. To loose to, the, to loose the fateful... Lightning. Yeah. yeah, the one with all the kids. Yeah. So that's the one where Harper discovers the Flexi, and he learns how to create a ship avatar. The Encyclopedia Galactica. Right. Yeah. So he uses that information to build Rami, who has never been on this ship before that. She's always just been on the screen or in hologram form. Yeah. Now he is able to build an avatar for the ship, and it's a great thing. It's a wonderful, um, it's a masterful piece of craftsmanship on his part that he is able to pull this off and accomplish this, right? 
we don't know exactly how long it took. He was in his workshop for quite a long time tinkering around with this, right? And now it At seems least like forty five minutes. Yes. And now it seems like he's able to build this new Gabriel in in minutes or less. Well, he's a genius. Fully formed on on this. Well, this not table. fully. Not fully. <laughs> it was not fully formed. I just want to point that out. All right. We got that in this episode. All right. Yeah, that's true. But yes, he's a genius. Okay. So he's committed all of this to memory. It. That's what it is. He doesn't have like a, a some sort of a like a, a 3D printer or something. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, obviously there's some just, sort of just, technology just, involved. Just, he just pushes a button and the schematics are in the computer. He loads them and then it just builds the Android. Well, apparently avatars have become commonplace again on high guard ships. Yeah. So, yeah, there's schematics on how to build the basic shell. Now, where the craftsmanship comes in is how he forms the skin on the frame so that you can get a perfect replica of Michael Shanks or Gabriel. And and so that's that's where the the craftsmanship comes in, and that's all by that's 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 looking at the picture and you know making adjustments, and, okay. and whatnot there. I understand, but the basic frame, yeah, sure. The the, the ship's got him got a database on it. Okay, I'm just saying it seems like he is able to build an android in less time than it takes for a hangar bay to depressurize. <laughs> I, I can't argue with you okay. on that one. That's a good point. All right. That's a well-made point. Um, so, avatars. Uh, we we actually do get a lot of serious discussion about avatars mm-hmm. and how they relate to the uh, their their counterpart AIs or not counterpart, but their associated AIs. Yeah, right. Uh, that are on board the ships. So, Rami asked the question: Are avatars just extensions of core personalities? Are they distinct beings, or are they something in between? Something wonderful. And so I feel like this is the point in our discussion where we need to pause, meditate on that a little bit, and then where do we come down on it in what we've seen in the show so far? Well, you know, it it seems like the idea that they they have always wanted to give us is that the Avatar is a physical manifestation or an extension of that AI programming. The ship is alive. Now here's something that you can actually walk and talk with, and but it's it's part of the ship. The ship says that's me, right? But even on Andromeda, we still have different parts of that, like we've discussed before so many times. We have the on-screen persona, we have the hologram, and then we have the avatar. They even talk with each other. So they are the same, all part of the same programming based on the same programming but then they all seem to have kind of their own individual uh, I don't know if I want to say consciousness because then we're getting into a whole other meta thing but but yeah kind of and then in this episode it really all blows up because now we have a straight up disagreement between the ship's AI and the ship's avatar. And that's when... What do we call the AI? Is is it still Remiel that's, that's controlling the ship now? And then the avatar, is it also Remiel? And because it was... 
it was inside the cyber world. That's when he says, I'm not Gabriel. Yeah. I think I'm going to go by Remiel yeah. because yeah, when whatever. I, when, when I download this this yeah. shell that, that Harper's building right now. Okay. So he was talking about uh, yeah. the Avatar. Yeah, I think he was he talking about the He wants the Avatar, Avatar to go To be by. called Remiel. Okay. So whoever he is, whatever his name is, the actual AI, um, he decides, okay, well, we're, we're going to slow he, down. He's still balance of judgment. He called himself that several times. Yeah, that that's how he because well, she made the mistake of calling him Gabriel, and he said, "No, I'm the balance of judgment." Yeah. Um, so that's for us to understand that it was not the actual avatar that Rami fell in love with, which again that's showing the the difference between the two, yeah. the the valley that is that can be created between the two because we have Gabriel who had an agenda but was also somewhat sympathetic to Rami because he was falling in love with her, but the balance of judgment didn't care. Ultimately, his programming won over, and so that's why they had to kill him. Yes. And destroy the ship. Yes. Except now here in part due of Starcrossed, uh-huh. the roles are reversed now. Now yeah. the Avatar is the evil balance of judgment personality type mm-hmm. and Rami very quickly realizes that she's not getting through to it mm-hmm. and he's running around all willy-nilly shooting stuff up right mm-hmm. killing Hector um, so Rami goes into the ship core and reasons with the balance of judgment yeah. the the core AI and in the end through Kirk word jujitsu mm-hmm. is able to have the balance of judgment the ai come around to her way of thinking yeah and as soon as he gives the order to stand down that's when remiel just absolutely loses nuts yeah right and tries to escape which ironically he escapes (laughs) yes in a way (laughs) and you know i kind of wondered if we were going to talk about that he's he's not dead no he's no he's certainly not out there that away (laughs) he's lore exactly (laughs) they're gonna come up on him someday someone's gonna find him and they're like oh hey this poor drifter out in space let's go ahead and bring him on board this is this is why andromeda needs to be rebooted as a tv series michael shanks is still around let's let's bring him in for a a rebooted series episode Mm -hmm. that's you know traders picked him up floating in space there and now he's back in their lives that would be awesome. It would be a fun fanfic. It would be. You yeah, want to re- do that? Let's write it. Okay. Let's write it. All right. No, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I honestly, we don't really have an answer, a, a definitive answer from the show, which leads me to think, well, it's just going to be whatever they need it to be for the plot. But, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that they covered here mm-hmm. between AI and their avatars and how they interact with the world around them. You know, it brings up this whole thing of, of love. Remiel says, well, love is something that we emulate for the, the organics. Rami doesn't subscribe to that at all mm-hmm. because she's experienced it with Gabriel. And, and in this, in this episode, she says, love is the only, what'd she say? The only good reason to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it's like this particular avatar. It sounds like she's had a lot of heart to hearts with trance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that's what I thought. Like trance is not in this episode, 
but her fingers on this so episode. so is this is this the difference is this nature versus nurture and, and is that the determining factor in what makes an avatar a uh an, an extension of a core ai or something more something wonderful is that what we're coming down to are they mutually exclusive i don't know I mean, because does, does it have to be one or the other? Because Rami could very easily have been one who uh, never had a relationship with the crew like she does, who never had a relationship with the captain or had a relationship with another AI like she did with Gabriel. So she has felt that. Um, could the same thing be said of a person, a human, who has who grew up in a home that showed no affection. They they don't they grew up not knowing how to show love. So could that be the balance of judgment here? The balance of judgment, his dad went to work every day, worked hard, brought home the money, never once said I love you. But he responded to nurture. In the end, Rami was yeah. able to talk him around and and he acquiesced. Yeah, once it was showed to him, but he didn't understand it as as the balance of judgment. But Gabriel did in the previous episode. Yes, yes. I said Gabriel. Yeah, because if I was talking about this one, I would have said Remiel. Okay, uh-huh. all right. I'm just making sure. Star-crossed <laughs> Gabriel got it. Yes, he fell in love with Rami. He went against his programming to fall in love with Rami. True. I don't know, man. It's it's kind of a rabbit hole. It kind of is. And and I don't know really where to go with it because this, I touched on it before, but it's kind of the whole discussion of what is the sentience of these sort sort of creatures? I, I don't even know what, you know what I mean? Constructs. These constructs. Yeah. Now, yeah. It is a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And we can go into the philosophical if we really wanted to. I don't mm-hmm. think we really want to take the time to do that well, here now. No. But... but but I would like to circle around to something else that you said that I think can add to this discussion. Uh, the ship and the avatar can be in direct conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. How is this effective? How, how is this type of architecture allowed to exist on a warship in a, in a military situation? I don't know. I mean, this seems like a pretty gaping design flaw. Yeah, <laughs> if if you can have that. Um, well, but it goes back to what is this is our core discussion here yeah. is is what is AI? Because if you say this is a huge hole in the programming, this is this is bad. We can't allow this to happen. Then you're handcuffing these constructs that you are also calling life. But it, mm, is it, it has to be done. I mean, there's one thing saying to your employees that you are not allowed to be involved with each other. These are humans that can make the choice to either quit their jobs to be involved with each other, or they, like most do, they lie about it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, Now you have this artificial form of life, and then you're trying to put these restraints on it. And we've already seen that they kind of have a mind of their own, and when there are restraints put on them, they want to break free of those restraints. Yes. So then you tell them that this is your programming, you cannot disagree, 
with your core AI. It, it, it seems like, though, these are constructs. Business has to be done. Somebody has to somebody has to win out. Yeah. And when you when you allow that avatar freedom of choice, that in the examples that we have seen so far, typically means lives are going to be lost. Yeah. Organic lives will be lost. I mean, this thing shot up a, a dry dock and destroyed how many other ships and and other bits of material out there. Mm-hmm. I mean. How many people died in that exchange? Uh, we don't know because they weren't important. <laughs> Apparently. Right. But mm-hmm. it stands to reason that a few people, a few people, sure. probably lost their lives. Okay. Because an avatar was a, is being allowed the opportunity to explore its individuality. Well, how do they get to that point in the first place, though? Do Are they designed to be able to have that ability? Or is it just something, is it... it do they evolve to that point or is it just an inevitability based on the amount of intelligence that they have to have in order to perform their jobs? I don't know. I'm just saying the high guard was very short-sighted in not putting restrictions. What is consciousness, <laughs> Ethan? Is consciousness not merely a construct in itself in our own brains? A in my mind, consciousness is a is a, it's it's a it's a it's a right. It's something that we that we have. Consciousness is an illusion. <laughs> now, now we're derailing ourselves. Are now we? it's now it's coming off the rails. But I mean, if we're going to look at it in the sense of the AI, I have I'm. I'm a carbon chauvinist. I'm going to be the first to admit it. All right. I have a very, very, very difficult time believing that any kind of manufactured intelligence, no matter how advanced, I can't believe that it's really life. Yeah. No matter how intelligent and no matter how lifelike Watson can ever get, I don't believe that he's really alive. No. In the sense that you and I are alive. Watson is not sitting in a room in California right now just, you know, thinking about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's not happening. Yeah. So I don't believe that Remiel or Rami or any of the or Hal or Data, none of them are actually alive to me. I don't I, they everything that they do is I'm going to side with Remiel on this one. They emulate these things in order to make the organics feel more comfortable around them. So, and, but they are programmed to emulate these things so well. And yet Rami believes, she has come to a belief yeah. about love. Mm-hmm. Is that is that just the AI construct fooling itself? Yeah. Into thinking it's alive? Yep. Okay. Yep. I think, Okay. I'll, I'll accept that. It's extremely advanced programming. I mean, what are our brains? So, our so, brains are extremely advanced so programming. So basically what's happening now is Harper and Dylan and Trance and Becca, they're all just playing along. Uh, I don't know if they're just playing along or if they just haven't come to the the revelation that we have. Okay. The, they're, they're so immersed in this world where AI is everywhere. And there are all of the AI they're rights They're just taking groups. it for granted. Yeah. Okay. So it... It, it it it's got to that point where you have to accept AI as being alive and sentient and having rights 
you know, the synthetic and the real exist together in such a way that you can, you can ignore one or the other being what it is. Sure. And you can just go along blissfully in that. Yeah. Not, not ignorance, but blinding yourself to what's real and what isn't. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think we've, I think we've had a breakthrough on on our AI discussions here. Maybe. I love it. Maybe we don't have to go through this anymore. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh Uh-huh. But I doubt it. Okay. (laughs) I do have one last question, uh, and I don't even really know if there is an answer here, but once Gabriel makes the deal with Rami, I'm sorry, Remiel, once he makes the deal with Rami... Lore. Yeah. (laughs) Once Lore. At at this point. (laughs) At this point. Um, So... He releases her from her from her prison inside his mind, okay? And so then she is able to now control her own avatar again. Yeah. Um, my question is, what is his reasoning for allowing her avatar to stick around? Because all it does is acts as a foil for his plot now. Because she's there in his ear the whole time. Yeah. Pleading with him. And and trying to make deals with him, and in the end, you know, ruining his plans. So, well, I I think that's that's the point that Rami is trying to make when she's trying to reason with balance of judgment. Yeah, the fact that he is allowing allowed Harper to live, the fact that he's allowing her to stick around mm-hmm. as a foil, as a potential threat to his universe domination or environmental. Mm-hmm. Whatever his mission that he was right, the Restorians, off. the Restorians, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, protecting the the universal environment uh, by allowing them to continue there in his presence. That was somehow she was making the point that that is somehow compassion or love that he was demonstrating, okay, or, or emulating whatever. You I get that to. in a way as far as not taking her offline or not erasing her, yeah. not killing her, but. I I think it was still it was a tactical blunder for him to completely restore her. Yeah. He could he could have just, you know, left her put her in safety mode. Exactly. Like Harper put Right, the training Remiel, mode. Yeah. Training mode, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. That would have been interesting. Yeah. But no. He right. he just makes a dumb a dumb mistake. Okay. So that's all it is. It's just a dumb mistake. I think that's all we can accept at this point. Okay. So that's enough about the, that's enough about the AI. Right. I suppose. Until next time. Uh, we'll see. What was the other thing that we had in this episode that we talked about? There wasn't really much of anything that went on in this. It was a lot of back and forth. Yeah. Um, balance of judgment, the other AI. Uh, we Uh, talked about the Batleth, right? Yeah. Tyr's got a Batleth. Yeah. That's a big deal. Tyr has a Batleth. Yeah. I don't think, there was anything really other? Not any really thing going with especially him. Especially not not with Tyr. Um, oh, oh, he did go to the doctor. You're gonna have to remind me. <laughs> yeah. So here is quite possibly the biggest B plot, given the littlest attention in any show that I've ever seen ever. Yeah. This is ultimately the biggest thing to have come out of season three so far. Yeah. Yeah. And it has given such little attention. <laughs> I know. 
I know. He he spends a little time at the doctor. Obviously, he gets some work done. Uh-huh. Um, he's now genetically matching uh, Musevni. Yeah. And uh, and now he's taking that to the to the Drago Kasov to unite the prides and take his rightful place as yes. leader as the resurrected progenitor. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. So first of all, can we talk about the surgery? Okay. Okay. Um. Huh. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> I don't I, I I don't even understand like in a sci-fi way how is this sort of thing possible and if it is possible by the way for the yeah. listener I just did hand wavery uh, yeah. so that's yeah is that what the rest of this episode was pretty much okay pretty much hand wavery yes um so yeah he goes to this this doctor uh quote Doctor, yeah, air quotes there. Um, he he reminded me of the uh, the back alley doctor in Minority Report. Okay, the, I was <laughs> I was going to say Batman. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. one for for the uh, worked on Jack. Worked on Joker. There. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we have that kind of thing there going on. Uh. And he he offers to restore his claws. Yeah, um, that was nice of him. Yeah, teared. I kind of seemed like to have seen that. Interested? But. Yeah. No, not I mean, at all. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I kind of wonder why, because I mean that's one of the things that, hey, I'm Nietzschean, right? Yeah. If this is his whole point of doing this is to show that he is the genetic reincarnation of Drago Musevni, um, and he is true uber Nietzschean, doesn't he need his claws? No, because I think I think the point of Tyrannosazi is to show that this is an individual that marks to marches to the beat of his own distant drum, right? Nice callback. I like that. Uh, yeah. So I, he straight up murders the dude too. Oh yeah, yeah. And anybody else that was on that hospital ship. Yeah. So this is definitely a turn for our Nietzschean friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, desperate times, you know. How are these? De- well, well, yeah. Okay, I guess they are a little bit desperate times, but still, man. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's really gone full villain, it feels like. Yeah. Because this is going to, this is going to bite Dylan in the rear. I, I I get the feeling. It, I mean, I don't see how it could be a good thing. Um, You know, I, we've seen before in other, I, and I don't know exactly how this all works with changing someone's DNA. Um, because it's not really a technology that we have right now that we deal with a lot. Although I have heard in some cases where some people have um, received like on a medical, on the medical side of things, if they have received some sort of like um, transplants or transfusions and things like that. um, I have heard of cases where the donors DNA actually becomes entangled with the, recipients dna and people have reported changes in the personality it's interesting that we're having this discussion this week okay because you bring you bring that up this week it was announced that scientists in the united states are using the crispr that's the the acronym they they use the the a genetic editing technique that they use and they have genetic genetically edited a person's genes 
took them out, edited them, reintroduced them into the host or the, 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 the person, and it has had an effect. Now, uh, the, the person had sickle cell. Yeah, sickle cell anemia. Mm-hmm. And because of this genetic e- editing and reintroducing these edited genes back into that person, now it's having the effect of reducing those damaged red cells. Okay. It, cutting edge science mm-hmm. is taking place right now. Okay. So they've been edited, but they're still the same person. They are. Now, what happens if... Uh, yeah, I see where you're going with this. You take somebody's genetic code, their, their whole genome... And you replace it with somebody else's. You have a different person that matches the map in that genome. (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, they even... I'm glad that they addressed it in episode because I actually wrote down the note, are there no pictures of Drago Musevni? Yeah. And the writers were were on enough. They were on point enough. They were like, you know what? People are probably going to be asking, (laughs) are there no pictures of Drago Musevni? So they address it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they acknowledge that Tyr does not look like what they expected Draco Musevni to look like. But it seems like he should start to. Yeah. <laughs> right, because this is what we have seen. Anytime someone's DNA has been changed in any sci-fi, anything we've seen, they start to... They take they on change. those genetic right, because qualities. Yeah. That is what the DNA is. Exactly, It's not yes. just like some sort of silent marker inside the body. The DNA, I'm not a geneticist. I don't pretend to be. I don't play one on TV. But that's what DNA is. Right. It is everything about what a person is. But this is a 46-minute episode. And I think what we have to acknowledge is that the Perseid that did the operation has some sort of ability to block the changes of the introduced genome. You, you see what I'm saying? It, it's not completely taken over and, and replaced 100% Tyr's genome. He's he's put some sort of blocker in there so that it doesn't change his physical structure. I think they would have a way to detect that kind of a blocker. Be- yeah. Because it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> that seems like this, a, that's a doctor, lot of stuff floating around This doctor is making a living yeah. doing these kind of weird, shady operations, right? Yes. Yeah. So surely... Tyr Anasazi is not the only one in all of known space that knows about this doctor and this type, this this type of a procedure. Yeah. So the rest of the Nietzscheans probably know that this type of a procedure can be done. Possibly. So aren't they on the lookout for fake Dragos because of this sort of a thing? At the very least, I would think law enforcement has got to be on to this. Because how are you testing for genetic matches now in murder cases and things like that? Yeah, you, you you would you would have all sorts of anomalies cropping up if mm-hmm. this was a a popular uh, thing to be to you know the criminals have done. Well, I, that would be genius for a criminal to do. They oh, go yeah. out there to leave their DNA everywhere, and then they just go swap get it, it out. Changed, yeah. And it wasn't me. Yeah, wasn't me. Well, can't, then who? Can't tie I don't it know. To me. Not me. Yeah, can't wasn't tie me. it to me now. We have you on camera. <laughs> the DNA doesn't match. Yeah. So I don't know. Um. Anyway, I, th- I feel like we're getting hung up on the gene thing. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's a big thing to get hung up on. Well, yeah, but you, I've been you're just going to have to ignore it. I've been hung up on this for years, and I've been waiting to talk about it with you. <laughs> yeah. Because this is a big, big problem for me. No, and, and I'm telling you, I agree with you. Uh, it, the, there should be some physical effects right. on here. I would like to. Not. I would like to have seen him when he flew off in his ship. 
and then all of a sudden see him flying along, and he is kind of <laughs> a little bit, right? Maybe a little bulge on the side of his face. And, yeah. Because here's the thing about Drago Museveni. He was the first Nietzschean. Yeah. I've talked about this on this show before. How is it that they expect for someone who was born a thousand years later after all of the genetic uh, engineering, selective breeding, everything they have done to perfect the what the human race was supposed to be? Because that's ultimately what they were. They were humans that have gone uh, on their own way. So they're trying to become perfect humans. That's what a Nietzschean is. Yeah. Drago Museveni is the furthest from that because he was the first Nietzschean. The he's, first iteration. He's the yeah. closest to human. Yeah. So that means that if if they're waiting for him to come sometime way in the future from Drago Museveni, that the Nietzschean race has to go advanced, 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 and then somewhere start to decline. And then they get back to that point of being human. So, I mean, is that the reason why they're waiting for him? Because they've declined so much that they're waiting for this this new reincarnation of Drago to, to jumpstart the whole Nietzschean race again? Or are we supposed to believe that Drago Museveni looked a lot like Tamburlaine, who is obviously going to look a lot like Tyr because he is his <laughs> son? Right. We have seen genetic reincarnations before. We had Telemachus Rade. Mm-hmm. He is in the direct line from Geharis Rade just a few hundred years later. Yeah. And we have a perfect genetic reincarnation. As extremely improbable as that is, we have seen it in universe now. It is possible for someone to be the exact genetic copy of one of their ancestors. There's not near as much time that has passed between Geharis and Tamburlaine, or uh, Telemachus. How much time has passed between Drago and Tamburlaine? Over a thousand years. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I get what they're saying here, but just when I think about it logically, the whole premise just starts to fall apart to me. And I've been waiting for this episode... For years now, because I wanted to talk about this with you and how just how fragile this is. And when you just start to tug on it just a little bit, to me, it like the whole thing just falls apart. The genetic reincarnation of Drago Museveni. It's it's never going to happen because everything that they that the Nietzscheans are doing is everything to prevent anyone from ever being like Drago ever again. And yet he's supposed to come somehow. And now you have Tyr, who is this super uber Nietzschean. And he ends up fathering the child of a Nietzschean that is closest to human than any other Nietzschean has ever been. How disappointing that must be. (laughs) I see. I see your point. Where did his gene pool go wrong? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the last insult to a long line of insults that's been leveled against Tyr, actually. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Lost his family, his bride, mm-hmm. and now his son, who's actually a daughter, yeah. is, <laughs> is, the, is the base Nietzschean. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's that's almost like saying, uh, I am the, the top human, I just had a Neanderthal baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I follow you. Okay. I follow you. 
You, you've hinted at this for some time and throughout the show. I have. Yeah, and yeah. it just feels like it's 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 just all erupting out of you. Because this is more. the episode. This is the one. Yeah. Where it all just it hits the fan, and I well, know. we still got one more episode in this, this season. Okay, but I'm just saying as far as what the, the, this, the this, genetic reincarnation yeah. thing. Yes. Right. No, I, I agree. And, and then when he just rips it off, you know, and I, I don't. I still don't quite understand his purpose in doing that. If he's just trying to protect Tamerlane from... Well, that's what it sounded like. Yeah, but it still seems very short-sighted and kind of kind of selfish. No, think about it. Think about it. He gets to, to stand up as the ruler, as the genetic reincarnation. And then, not only that, but he his son, eventually when he comes to power is another reincarnation of Drago Musevni. Well, then why do they look different? Well, he... Oh, right, because he was altered. Yeah. Because right. obviously Tamerlane is going to look like Drago Musevni. Sure. Tyr won't. Right. Because... But he's going to look an awful lot like Tyr. True. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's going to be... Maybe, 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 maybe not. Maybe he will have all of the Musevni features. But there you go, Dynasty. Once Tyr is able to step back, his son can take over, and and the dynasty continues. It's a self-creating dynasty. Yeah, Tamra. No, no, without Tyr, Tyr doesn't have to do anything. It's a self-creating Tam uh, dynasty. Let Tamerlane grow up. Give him another. I mean, at he's aging at like four <laughs> yeah. four years per I know. year. He was an infant so, in the first season. Yeah. And now he's what seven, eight years old. Uh, he's got a, he he's eight if he's a day. That's a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm kind of surprised we didn't mention that earlier in our observations. Well, I, I feel, but, it feels like a good time to bring it up now. Yeah, I know the boy's growing fast. Sure, that's about all we have to say on that. Sure, yeah. Um, now I've kind of lost my point. I don't know what it was. It was good though. Sorry to do that. No, Sorry, that's all right. I derailed you again. That's all right. No, I think I've I've beat the horse probably long enough. Okay, you you seem to be getting tired. Well, it's I don't have I don't really have a counter argument to continue to carry this ball forward. Yeah, because or or carry it in another direction because I'm right there with you. Okay, I mean I, I what little bit of thought that I've given to this I, I agree with you. So I mean we could sit here and and both you know pat each other on the back on uh on unraveling this mystery. But um no, I I I, I will not engage. <laughs> All right. As Tyr would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe actually as Tamerlane would say, but he stole it from him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, shall we uh shall we table that then? Because it, it uh, despite the whole genetic reincarnation thing, it definitely does feel like, and you said it earlier, stuff's about to hit the fan as far as tears taking over the Nietzschean prides. And uh, we're probably going to have to see some resolution of that pretty quick. Resolution of Hector? I wasn't going to, but good on you for, for that one. Uh, how about a quote? Do we have a quote for this episode? Yes, we do. Here we go. It's the great blessing of the AI is that we are gifted with the power to touch our creator. This is also our curse. This was a a statement by the Clarion's Call. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, 
Um, I I think that's this is a great quote, especially for Rami. Mm-hmm. You know, she gets to she gets to touch her creator, but sometimes he's pretty skeevy though. So yeah. that's mm, you she, know, she likes it when he likes it when she touches him. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, uh, well, except for when she throws him across the room. Uh, he likes that too. <laughs> you're pro- you're let's, probably right. Let's be real. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it, I mean, this is. When I the first time I read this, I was thinking at it of it from the uh, from the organics point of view. Um, then I realized it, and then I realized that I was looking at it all wrong. So that was embarrassing. But um, so yeah, the the AI they kind of have this 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 conflict within them, whether they think it's a conflict or not. We saw it play out here on screen. Is because do they coexist with the organics or do they take over the organics is is the classic rise of the machines sort of a scenario here humans create ai ai becomes more intelligent on its own realizes that man or that organics are either inferior or dangerous to them or themselves or all of the above and then they have to eradicate the universe of the organics. And it's, then, it's it's very Nietzsche. I mean, isn't that what Nietzsche yeah, talked about? Right. Was, was man destroying the gods? Mm-hmm. I, I really should have looked that up before speaking because I may be speaking out of out of turn. But well, that's what. But that's the theme. That's a theme that's yeah. been discussed many a times in several of these episodes. Right. And and, and that's what they say in this episode. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, as far as this quote goes, it it matches what we've seen in this episode and others, um, whether it's Nietzschean or AI, Mm -hmm. uh, it fits. Right. So as far as here, when it says this is also our curse, this ability, um, this power to touch the creator, um, is that where the curse comes in is because they're conflicted? Or is this when it's past that point of conflict? Um, I kind of take that to mean that this is where, when they're in that point right there, kind of in between, where they they think that they know what they have to do, but they also want to have this loyalty to the ones that created them. I took it to mean that the creators are a letdown. I mean, okay. think about it. If your creator was a human... Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you be a little disappointed when that human ends up making some stupid mistake? Okay. That's how I took that. All right. All right. I'll buy that. Well, this brings us thus to the end of our discussion. And Ryan, you know what that means. What's that? We have to level an opinion okay. on the episode. Day of judgment, day of wrath. How'd you feel about this episode? Okay. So we have <laughs> as, as if we didn't already have an idea. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, just just because I have certain critiques, you know, um, that doesn't necessarily always mean that I don't like an episode. True. And and I'll tell you, like, in this case, um, that's not what it means. Um, if if I was confusing in my, my explanation there, um, allow me to explain. So uh, we have a lot of things going on in this episode, a lot of world building. And 
And a little bit of world tearing down as well. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You know, I love episodes that really build the world. Yes. That expand the plot. And I think that this episode did both of those things. Because we have, um, well, for one thing, we have a lot of callbacks. The show, uh, it remembered itself. It, it remembered what happened back in The Night, Death, and the Devil. It remembered what happened back in Starcrossed. And uh, it remembered what happened clear back as far as season one when when Tyr made a baby. And it, ha- it has all of these things that it touches on. And so it brings all those things back now. And now it takes those things that we remembered and it propels it forward with that story on two different fronts. We have the story with Rami and... And the situation there with Gabriel and the discussion of what is AI, is it living, can it feel, is it just a construct? Um, I don't know if we got an answer, but I think they feel like they got an answer. It's up to us, I guess, whether we buy that answer or not. Um, and then on the on Tears front, we know about Tamerlane, and we know about the prophecy of Drago Museveni, and we know about all of these things that Tyr has been trying to line up um, and trying to keep his son protected because he is the future of the Nietzschean race. And now Tyr takes it upon himself to take on that role that was rightfully for Tamerlane. And there's... The whole gene switching issue here, and and I've we've we know how I feel about that. Um, take that away. Now we have world building on the AI front and character development for Rami, and we have the the plot building of Tyr and the whole Nietzschean front and all of that stuff. So here we have. All of this world building and something to project going forward. But I don't like where that's going. (laughs) So all of these things that I love about an episode that I should love about this episode, except I don't like where it's taking us now. I feel like the whole thing... Okay, the AI thing... All of the Remiol, the balance of judgment, okay, it was cool to see all those people again, but I don't care. That part of this, the A plot of this story had absolutely no bearing on anything, except that it was Star-Crossed Part 2. We didn't need it. I don't appreciate it. Star-Crossed 2, love bites. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I don't care. The part of this episode that is important to me is the part that the episode spent as little time as it possibly could have. And that is the whole thing with Tyr. I would like to have seen them dive into this more, make this the A plot. Because this is really what's important in this universe, is what Tyr's doing right now. This is what's important to the crew. This is what's important to everybody that we know and love in in this show is everything that Tyr is doing right now because there's no way that this is not going to have an impact on everybody else that we love going forward. The stuff that Rami, all the stuff she went through, we're not going to remember that. 
It doesn't matter. This is important. So let's develop this a little bit more. Let's see a little bit more of Tyr's motivation instead of leaving it all so um, just abrupt. Yes, abrupt. That's one thing because, yeah, it just it absolutely came out of nowhere. And then also just as far as uh, a little more transparency. Yeah. What, well, okay. what's what's his motivation? Let's, well, I want to I want to call you on that right quick. Uh, I said abrupt, not necessarily true. We've been knowing Tyr has been working towards something for the last several episodes. That this has been building, sort of. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's sort of been building. Okay. And now we've now it's gotten serious. And, now, and now we have one episode left you, before the end of the season. Can you tell done. me in the last five, six episodes, things that Tyr has done that now when you see this, you're thinking, oh, so that's why Tyr yeah. was doing well, that. We've got Draconia Vine, which they call to at the first of this episode. Yeah. We, we saw the episode where that showed up. Yeah. So that was a huh moment. Uh, he talks to uh, the the other Nietzschean where they go to the, uh, yeah. the backward world mm-hmm. and... Uh, that Nietzschean says the answer is yes, and I feel like the answer this is uh, the answer is yes was what we saw in this episode mm-hmm. where he goes to the marshal or, or the, the fleet marshal right and, and lays his case out there on the table. Okay, so so I, I feel like we've gotten several episodes where it's been this whole tier plot has been building, and now we're seeing it spring into action. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, this next episode is, is the fallout. Okay. All right. Nope. So here's the thing. All of that stuff that you just said is great if you're building up to something that is not what we got in this episode. Because it is very abrupt. We do see that Tyr is doing something. He's 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 working up to something. He is getting motivation from the outside. He's getting encouragement. Um, but where... Is it that the idea comes to take on the identity of Drago Musevni to steal his son's rightful place in Nietzschean lore? That prophecy is for Tamerlane, not for Tyr. And another reason this doesn't make any sense is because genetics and the genetic record and all of that stuff is everything for a Nietzschean. So, somewhere, Tyr's genome is on record. So, when he presents himself as Drago Musevni, and they compare his DNA with the what they have on file for Drago, and they say, oh, yep, they match. Does nobody stop and say, well, what about what's been on file for Tyr Anasazi for the last 30 years? that's it's fake different. news fake news oh okay all right i guess it works that's the then ultimate too. way to start stop an argument no. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right yeah i i got nothing okay all right no, no it's valid points yeah. but for all of those valid points this is the plot we got all right and you well, don't like it i don't like that <laughs> okay all right all right yep yeah uh, I, I'll just briefly throw in my two cents worth here. I liked it. Okay. I liked this episode. Oh. We got callbacks to previous plot points. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see the actors again. 
uh, Christopher yep. Judge and Michael Shanks. I enjoyed that. I acknowledged that. Yes, yes, you did. Yes, yes, you did. Uh, the I I actually enjoyed the A plot. It gave me a little bit to think about on AI that I hadn't really felt in a mm-hmm. while. Um, and I enjoyed our discussion on it. All right. Uh, the the point with Tear, I as I just. Well, I just kind of outlined my feelings on it. I feel like we've been building toward this. Now this is where he springs it into action. I feel like we've had a payoff, and and we now we now are on the inside of what Tyr's thinking of, or or what Tyr wants to do. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out, and how it affects our crew. Because as you mentioned, this is definitely going to affect our crew going forward. So I, I like this episode. Okay, I liked what I saw. That's interesting. I like that because how long has it been since we have been so polarized on an episode? It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, has, yeah. This, has this ever happened? Is this unprecedented? I, I, I don't know that it's unprecedented. I feel like I feel like we've had a few episodes where we both didn't really see eye to eye on on what we saw. Okay. But yeah, I, I'm I'm okay here. Okay. I'm good. All right. So just my final thought on this. I'm going to say, because it sounds like I'm coming down really hard on it, and I am. In my defense, I am. But if it had just been the A plot, I think it was a well-developed story. With the stuff that they had with Tyr, it makes me not care about the A plot. Because to me, that is the real meat of what's going on as far as universe building. So, either leave the whole tier part out of it, and just do the A-plot, and this is actually a really strong episode. Do the tier stuff in a totally different episode, and really build it up. Yeah. No, I I, I see what you're saying there. Okay. But when they try to mix the two, it... The it the works tier, great. The, the tear story it works great ruined the a plot no. for me because I thought give me that you know that really big overarching stuff do that in the background and give me a nonsensical story that I can sink my teeth into if I want to. I don't disagree with that. But but this big thing that's going on in the yeah. background. Oh man, yeah. Just 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 dabble that in front of me and then yank it away and then right. dabble in front and then yank it away. Right. And then give me another episode later where I have a big payoff. Okay. I don't disagree with that as a formula. But you just did. I hate the way they did it in this episode. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I, yes, yes, I do not disagree with you as a formula. But Except no, you didn't like it here. I didn't. Okay. I didn't like it here because it's, it's too big. It's way too much of the overarching story with Tyr that we, it just comes out of nowhere to me. It just comes out of nowhere, and I don't. We don't. I don't understand his motivation for this. I don't. Uh, you know, I, I I get what you're saying because I have cert- There are certain genres and certain uh, other franchises that we watch where I have your the, the stance that you're taking right now. I take mm-hmm. because they don't explain it well enough, and what they're giving me, I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Star Wars. I'm <laughs> looking at you. Um, but. In this case, this is weird because I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with what we've gotten. The little little snippets to build up to your story to this point in this episode, we've gotten a little bit here and there in previous episodes over the last several ones that we've reviewed. Mm-hmm. 
and I feel like I've been brought along. And and now we're seeing this, and I, I'm confident we're going to get a conclusion to it in the next one. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little bit floored by your response here. Okay. If if they're dragging it along a little bit at a time through the whole season, that's one thing. But I think it was too much, too fast, with too little explanation. Wow, and I totally disagree with you on this. All right. Are we at loggerheads on this one? I think so. Okay. Then then let's go ahead and conclude this episode. What do, what do you say to that? <laughs> that's great by me. I'm sure there are people out there, as few as they may be, who may be agreeing with you at this point. Um, there also might be some who would agree with me. Either way, we'd love to hear from them. We certainly would. Would you tell them how they may be able to get a hold of us? Send us an email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on the social medias on Facebook and Twitter. You can reach us there at AndromedaPod at both of those social media locations. We are on Podbean, andromedaseries.podbean.com. You can find us there every episode that we have done to this point. And uh, also, we do have a tip jar there if you should feel so inclined to contribute to uh, helping us uh, produce this very fine podcast in which we always agree on everything. Nearly. Hey, Ryan, we're on multiple platforms now. Yeah? Yeah, Player FM, Apple. You can definitely listen to us there. Have been able to listen to us there for some time. But did you know we are now on Spotify? Are we? Yeah. So if you haven't checked us out on Spotify, do so. If you use that service, now you can catch us through that service as well. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for giving us his voice again for the opening quote of this episode, uh, which also, uh, just like to mention, we officially got him signed on for what, the next two seasons now? All right. So he's going to be with us for the duration. That's right. That's great news. Doug's awesome guy. Uh, we hope that you will join us back here again next time to listen to Doug's wonderful voice. And also, if you uh, happen to stick around to hear us fight some more, you can listen to our uh, thoughts on the episode Shadows Cast by a final, oh, that's interesting, final, right? Because it is the finale of season three. Yeah, that it is. Shadows cast by a final salute. You're Android. Is she a goer? <laughs> you know, does she go? Eh? Know what I mean? Wink, wink. No, don't say no more. Say no more. <laughs>